Ladies and gentlemen, recording from Los Angeles, California. Welcome to another edition of the one and only podcast known to the world as Sean Sports Stop, where Sean Tiplitsky gives his unique opinion on the biggest news stories in sports. Ladies and gentlemen, you just heard legendary UFC ring announcer Bruce Buffer announce my podcast, so thank you to him. On today's episode of Sean's Sports Stop, I will report the biggest news in sports. Nothing has changed. This is episode number 218, and I believe it is 218, and I'm coming at you from Los Angeles, California on Tuesday, January 5th, 2019. It's been over two weeks. I'm still not used to saying 2019 instead of 2018. It's... um pretty strange gotta get used to it and you know it takes me i may be below average in terms of um remembering that it's the new year but um it takes me about six to nine months to fully understand that it's the new year and it's going to be probably around anywhere from june to about august or september uh, when i stop writing 2018 and staying saying 2018 um and you know it, six to nine months that's a big that's a half half to three fourths of the year so basically what i'm saying is by the time i get used to the new year uh we'll be very close to another new year so i'm never fully acclimated to the fact that the year has changed and um every episode of my podcast is available on every podcast platform that includes itunes and spotify check out my website at seansportstop.com to see to have access to all episodes or you could just type in the name of the podcast or my full name, Sean Teplitsky, in iTunes. But if you go to my website, you'll have access to all episodes. You'll see all the famous athletes that I've interviewed on the pod. And you can also read my blog where I write articles about myself and about my opinion in sports. And on today's episode, I will cover uh, the MLS announcing that there will be a new team in their league. The Philadelphia Phillies wanting to sign Bryce Harper, Dallas Keuchel, and Craig Kimbrell. The Philadelphia Eagles announcing that Carson Wentz is their quarterback for the future. Terry Rozier explaining why he believes the Boston Celtics are struggling. Bruce Arians criticizing Antonio Brown. The Philadelphia 76ers destroying the Minnesota Timberwolves in Jimmy Butler's first game against his former team. The Golden State Warriors making a statement with, a, um, with, a, with the destruction of the Denver Nuggets on the road. And yeah, that's about it. But what I want to say... Before I get into all that is I want to give a shout out to my friends over at Crimson IT. They are a Los Angeles based managed IT services company that specializes in, in ultra reliable and highly secure IT services for the small and medium sized companies. If you would like to see if any of your company email passwords have been stolen on the internet, reach out to them. And for listeners of my podcast, they will run a free scan on the dark web for any information related to your company that has been leaked, stolen or sold. Crimson IT can be reached at 310-838-3700. And without further ado, let's get down to it. As I said, the first story has to do with soccer. Major League Soccer Commissioner Don Garber officially announced Austin FC as its 27th franchise on Tuesday, uh, today, earlier today, with the team expected to begin play during the 2021 MLS season. Kirk Bowles of the Statesman provided comments from Californian majority owner Anthony Precourt, who said the ownership group will soon include more local investors, saying, quote, we will shortly be announcing that uh, that will be welcoming, welcoming in local Austin partners into our ownership group. Uh, I've had very productive conversations over the last year, and we have very strong interest in a great lineup of local Austinites that would be part of this going forward. Never heard of that before. MLS, which is set to contest the 2019 season with 24 clubs, will become 
uh, will welcome teams from Nashville and Miami in 2020. Jim Vertuno of the Associated Press reported Austin will provide land for a pre-court to build a $225 million stadium with private funds. Although there's a petition to force a voter referendum on whether the stadium should be built, Garber said the league is confident the deal will move forward per Bulls. Quote, we have faith in the mayor, we have faith in the city council, and we have faith in and we have faith in the work that Anthony is going to do early on with his community benefits agreement. He said per Bulls, people here will see the value very quickly of having an MLS team. We'll support any democratic process, but we're here to stay. Austin FC will become the third MLS club in Texas, joining FC Dallas and the Houston Dynamo. It's unclear whether the league will look to add a 28th team by 2021 in order to balance the Eastern and Western conferences. That would that would make sense. Uh, Bulls noted Garbrand Precourt rel- relinquished his stake in the Columbus Crew, which began with a 2013 investment in order to become majority owner of the Austin franchise. The crew are now owned by, by a group led by D and Jimmy Haslam, who also own the NFL's Cleveland Browns. No, no surprise there because Columbus is in Ohio, as are the Cleveland Browns. So now uh, I'm happy that the MLS is expanding. That just shows that they're successful. That shows that the level of play is improving. And um, I'm excited to watch Austin FC play in the next few years. So now switching gears to the MLB, the Philadelphia Phillies really want to make a big splash. While Matt Gelb of The Athletic reported the Philadelphia Phillies will not sign both Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, uh, they may reportedly land the former alongside uh, two notable pitchers. According to Bob Nightingale of USA Today, team executives have suggested the National League East club has, quote, visions of adding Harper, Dallas Keuchel, and Craig Kimbrell this offseason. This isn't the first time Nightingale connected the Phillies to Harper, seeing how he called them the, quote, clear-cut favorites to sign him following a five-hour Saturday meeting with him in his hometown of Las Vegas, Nevada. Philadelphia has already been one of the most um, aggressive teams in the league this offseason, trading for shortstop Gene Segura and signing outfielder Andrew McCutcheon, but bringing in these three all-star caliber players would make it um, much more formidable in the National League East as they look to make the playoffs for the f- for the first time since 2011. Uh, Keiko would be a, a great addition to a rotation that already includes Aaron Nola and Jake Arrieta. The Southpaw won the 2015 American League Cy Young Award in 2017 World Series while playing on the Houston Astros and could help the Phillies control a playoff series alongside the other two talented starters at the front end of their rotation. They could then hand the ball to Kimbrell in the bullpen. The right-hander won the last World Series with the Boston Red Sox and is a seven-time All-Star and one of the most dominant relief pitchers of the past decade. I think he has, he has fallen off a little bit, but he would be a great addition for the Phillies in my opinion. And what I didn't mention is that they also signed very talented relief pitcher David Robertson. So the Phillies are looking to contend sooner rather than later. Now switching gears to the NFL, if there was any doubt about who the Philadelphia Eagles would choose as their starting quarterback for the 2019 season, head coach Doug Peterson put it to rest on Tuesday per Jeff McLean of Philly.com. Howie Roseman, the team's executive vice president of football operations, added that the Eagles have, quote, confident in Wentz, confidence in Wentz's ability to be our quarterback and, and to hope and to be hopefully a 19-game starter, according to Mike Garofalo of NFL.com. Nick Foles' presence has complicated Philadelphia's quarterback situation. Foles famously led the Eagles to their first Super Bowl title last season in relief of Wentz who tore his ACL at the time. And when Wentz went down again this year with a stress fracture in his back, Foles led the Eagles to three straight wins to close the season before guiding the team to a wild card win over the best defense in the NFL on the road over the Chicago Bears. The Magic did run out against New Orleans last weekend, but there have been calls around Philadelphia uh, for Foles to be the franchise quarterback. Uh, I don't believe he should be the franchise quarterback, but I do believe that they should keep Foles because Carson Wentz has been, uh, is now known, known to being injury prone. He was injured in high school, injured uh, in college at North Dakota State, injured in his first two years in the NFL. So I think uh, the Eagles should keep uh, Foles as an insurance quarterback. 
that's obviously been uh, successful for them the last two years, winning the Super Bowl and now making it to the NFC Divisional Round, where at some point midway through the season, many people did not believe they would make the playoffs. I didn't believe they would. So I think they should keep Foles for sure. And now switching gears to the NBA. By the way, this will be a pretty short episode today. Just throwing that out there. Uh, Boston Celtics point guard Terry Rozier said the team's roster is, quote, too talented and the necessary adjustments to accommodate all of the star power caused the team to perform below expectations during the first half of the 2018-19 NBA season. While the Celtics are riding a three-game losing streak that dropped the record to 25-18, and Vincent Goodwill of Yahoo Sports provided comments from Rozier on Tuesday saying, quote, I don't think we've all been on a team like this. Young guys who can play, guys who did things in their career, the group that was together last year. Then you bring Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward back. It's a lot with it. Boston uh, posted the Eastern Conference's second best record last season at 55 and 27, despite Hayward playing just five minutes in the opener before suffering a gruesome leg injury and Irving's season ending uh, in March after undergoing a pair of knee surgeries. The Celtics still made it to the, Cle- to the conference finals and forced the LeBron James-led Cleveland Cavaliers to the seventh game thanks to strong play by Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Terry Rozier. So, as a result of that, expectations were unsurprisingly sky-high with Irving and Hayward coming back to join a roster with those rings, with those rising stars, as well as veterans like Al Horford and Marcus Morris, who have both been playing very well. Quote, it's tough to win four straight and lose three straight. Morris told Goodwill, I would be lying if I said we knew our identity because the identity of a good team don't do that. Good teams don't take steps back being on the road or at home. Still searching, I guess. Boston uh, has seemingly been stuck in neutral for most of the season, leading to questions about whether a roster shakeup is necessary. Celtics head coach Brad Stevens recently told reporters why he's hopeful the current group can eventually get, get back on track, saying, quote, you always have high expectations for your group. Last year they have made last year they may not have been what everybody else on the outside thought once we had those injuries, but within the walls we were super disappointed we didn't win that, that last game to go to the finals. Ultimately it's about how you play and how you come together, how you do things together. It's about how you empower each other. It's about playing your best basketball. It takes a lot of teams to it takes a lot of teams a long time to get there. Some teams never get there. We'll see if this team does from a consistent basis, but we've shown that we have a chance, so that's good. <coughs> Excuse me. Boston gets another uh, another litmus test on Wednesday night when they take on the NBA-leading Toronto Raptors in an attempt to end their losing streak. So now switching gears, first of all, before I get into the next story, uh, my opinion on this is it's a great problem for the Celtics to have. They're too talented, which is why they're struggling. Doesn't really make sense for the casual fan, but it, you know they have a lot of talent. Uh, they're still not quite figuring out how to how to mesh with each other and their kind of team chemistry. Kyrie was critical of the young players on the team, but I think the Celtics will be fine. I think they'll at least make it to the second round of the playoffs. I don't see them honestly making it to the conference finals. So I do see them taking a step back as far as how how uh, deep they make it in the playoffs this season. Um, but I think they're very well positioned for the future. That's for sure. Uh, so now switching gears uh, to the NFL. Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach Bruce Arians does not appear to have much interest in returning in reuniting excuse me, with Antonio Brown. Appearing on the Adam Schefter podcast, Arians discussed the ongoing situation between Brown and the Pittsburgh Steelers saying, quote, there's too much miscommunication, too much diva, Arian said. I've heard so many stories. I like Antonio. He plays as hard as anybody on Sunday and he practices hard. He's just got to make better decisions off the field to be on time, do some of those little things. Arian served as Pittsburgh's offensive coordinator for the first two seasons of Brown's career in 2010 and 2011. Brown's future with the Steelers has been the source of intense speculation since week 17 of the season. He was inactive for the team's last game of the season against the Cincinnati Bengals. Per CBS Sports' Jason LaConfora, Brown and Ben Roethlisberger had an altercation in practice leading leading up to the game against Cincinnati, and the four-time All-Pro, quote, went AWOL for the third time this season. Steelers president Art Rooney II, as I've been reporting, told Jerry Dulac of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette last week, it would be, quote, hard to envision Brown being with the team when training camp opens this summer. 
We'll look at all the options Rooney continues. We're not going to release him. That's not on the table. But I will say all other options are on the table. Brown's cap hit in 2019 is $22.165 million. The 30-year-old has had at least 100 receptions, 1,200 yards, and 8 touchdowns in each of the previous six seasons. So obviously very talented. But it doesn't look like the, the Steelers want to deal with his personality, and rightfully so. But if that's the case, that, that, that means that they will likely lose Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. And now Ben Roethlisberger is getting older, so um, they're losing lots of their very talented offense. Um, so unfortunate for the Steelers. Uh, switching gears back to the NBA, we have two NBA stories to cover um, to conclude the big news section of this episode. Jimmy Butler got his first shot against his former Minnesota Timberwolves teammate since his... Uh, since his uh, turbulent tenure with the squad ended in a November trade, and he helped lead the Philadelphia 76ers to a commanding 149-107 to victory on Tuesday at Wells Fargo Center. So the Sixers were one point away from scoring 150 points <coughs> in regulations. Now, that's pretty crazy. Um, Philadelphia improved to 29-16 overall with its second straight win, while the T-Wolves fell to 21-23 after winning four of their previous five. So they're playing well. Butler's shutdown with the Timberwolves was the headline after an ugly exit that saw him yell at teammates and members of the front office at an infamous practice after he wasn't immediately moved following his trade request. He responded with 19 points, 4 assists, 3 rebounds, and 2 steals as one of 7 Sixers in double figures. Joel Embiid had 31 points, 13 rebounds, and Ben Simmons had 20 points, 11 rebounds, and 9 assists, each notched a double-double, so Ben Simmons was only 1 assist shy of a triple-double. Derrick Rose also scored his 10,000th career point on the other side and finished with 15 points and 4 assists, while Carl Anthony Towns 13 points and Andrew Wiggins 12 points where he combined 8 of 24 from the field for the T-Wolves really struggled offensively. Switching gears to more NBA to close out the big news section of this episode. Um, the Golden State Warriors made a, made a statement Tuesday night with a 142-111 blowout win over the Denver Nuggets. Denver entered the day with the best record in the Western Conference, but Golden State put on an offensive show, setting an NBA record with 51 points in the first quarter and never... Um, let their foot off the gas throughout the night. The Stars led the way for the visitors as Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson each had 31 points and Kevin Durant uh, chipped away with 27 points and they put up huge numbers. <coughs> Excuse me. Apologies. Uh, Draymond Green only had four points, but he added 13 assists and finished plus 41 on the floor. It was enough for the Warriors to move to 30 and 14 on the season, just ahead of the Nuggets who are now at 29 and 14. Um, so a huge win for the Warriors. They really made a statement. And that's all we have for the big news section of this episode. Now we're going to be transitioning to the LA sports, starting with the Lakers, who got back in the win column after a, a very disappointing loss to the worst NBA team, uh, worst team in the NBA, Cleveland Cavaliers at home. The Lakers played another bad team, but this time they won 107 to 100. Lakers are now 24 and 21, and the Bulls are 10 and 34. They beat the Bulls. Uh, the Lakers' next game is on Thursday at 6.30 p.m. Pacific time against the Oklahoma City Thunder. The game's going to be on TNT. So this is going to be, let's see, this is pretty crazy. Uh, it's pretty unbelievable, honestly. The Lakers um, played the Pistons on ESPN and the Jazz on ESPN, the Cavs on NBA TV, the Bulls on NBA TV, and they play the Thunder on um, Thunder on TNT. Then they play the Rockets. I wonder if that's... Then they play the Rockets on ABC. After that, they play the Warriors on TNT. Um... After the Warriors, let's see if they have another national TV game. After the Warriors, they play the Timberwolves on TNT. And then they play the Suns. They play the Suns not on national TV. Then they play the 76ers on TNT. The Clippers. Yeah, so that's but that's pretty insane. So let's see. They have the Lakers from January 9th. They have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. Man, let me look at this again. So they have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, Eight games in a eight, uh, eight out of nine, nine out of ten. 
So they have from January 9th through January 29th, nine out of the 10 Lakers games are on national TV. That's how much star power the Lakers bring. Pretty unbelievable. Uh, taking a look at the uh, Lakers stats. Uh, let's see. First of all, I'm going to give the Bulls some credit. Laurie Markin had 17 points. Chandler Hutchinson had 12 points. Wendell Carter Jr. had 10 rebounds and 6 points. Zach Levine had 10 points, 8 assists and 4 rebounds. Um, so yeah, that's the that's the Bulls. For the Lakers, Brandon Ingram had a, a pretty complete game with 16 points, 7 assists and 9 rebounds. Kyle Kuzma had, had a double-double with 16 points and 12 rebounds. Tyson Chandler, who started for the Lakers at center, had 8 points. Lonzo Ball had a very good game with 19 points, 6 assists, and 8 rebounds. He was making a lot of threes. Contavious Caldwell-Pope, who started and was back in the starting lineup over Josh Hart, had 17 points and 4 rebounds. Um, JaVale McGee had 9 points and 4 rebounds coming off the bench. Ivica Zubac had 7 points and 3 rebounds. So, uh, Svetoslav Mihaljuk had 6 points and 1 assist. So, there, those are your Lakers. The Clippers, they play tomorrow at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time against the Utah Jazz at home. Clippers are currently 6th in the Western Conference. The Lakers, uh, I believe, are lower than that. They're 8th. Um, the Los Angeles Rams didn't play today. Obviously, today was Tuesday. They play this Sunday, January 20th at 12.05 p.m. Pacific time against the New Orleans Saints on the road in the NFC Championship game. The, the game's going to be on Fox. So, the winner uh, will make it into the Super Bowl and will either play the New England Patriots or the Kansas City Chiefs. I believe it will be the Kansas City Chiefs and the game's going to be in Atlanta at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. The Los Angeles Kings played today and they lost in a heartbreaker 3-2 in the shootout to the Minnesota Wild. The Wild are now 23-20-3 on the season while the Kings are 18-25-4. and um, you know, The Kings killed off a penalty in the overtime and if they would have not killed it off and lost in overtime, they would still get a point. So they killed it off for nothing and ended up losing in the shootout. The Kings will look to get back in the win column as they take on the Dallas Stars on the road at 5.30 p.m. Pacific time on Thursday. Uh, the Anaheim Ducks lost again. Uh, this time it was the Detroit Red Wings on the road. The Red Wings are now 18-23-7. The, the Ducks are now 19-19-9. Uh, the Ducks will take on the Minnesota Wild tomorrow on the road at 5 p.m. Pacific time. Or not tomorrow, on Thursday. Um, so the Ducks have now lost 12 games in a row. They fall now to 6th in the Pacific Division. 0-6-4 in their last 10. Minus 30 goal difference. Only two better than the Los Angeles Kings. The Ducks have 47 points. The Kings have 40. So the Kings are only seven points behind the Ducks, who at one point were uh, in the top three in the Pacific Division. Ducks, 12 losses in a row. Uh, I'm going to actually look right now before we end this episode uh, what the longest losing streak in NHL history was uh, because 12 losses is pretty bad. So longest NHL losing streak, I'm looking it up right now as we speak. 17 games. So the overall, it was 17 games by the 1974-75 Washington Capitals and 1992-93 San Jose Sharks. So, man, overall, the longest losing streak was 17 games. So the Ducks need to lose five games, five more games in a row to tie the overall uh, worst of all time losing streak and six more to break it. The longest overall home losing streak, in case you're wondering, was 14 games set by the 2003-04 Pittsburgh Penguins. And the longest road losing streak was 38 games set by the 1992-93 Ottawa Senators. So ladies and gentlemen, this is all we have for episode number 217, or not really sure what episode this is, uh, honestly. This is 218, episode 218 of Sean Sports Top. Thank you so, so much for listening, and as always, see you next time.